1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Glammere. And today I have someone unbelievably special. She's an on, on campus of Fordham University. Lynn Slater is a clinical professor at the Graduate School of Social Services. But online, she is known as the accidental icon. And it's not every day that you see a 60-something-year-old blogger killing it in the fashion world. So I want to introduce her today and talk to her about she's just shattering stereotypes for fashion and aging. Um, welcome Lynn. Thank you. Glad I, to be here. I am um, really excited for you to be here. I heard about you um, a few months ago and I found your story of how you became the accidental icon so fascinating and I would
2: love for you to tell us that story. Ah, well there's two kind of levels to the story. One is the real accidental part was about how I got my name. Mm-hmm. Um, But the part about starting a fashion blog was actually very purposeful, Mm -hmm. and so um, I had been getting a little bit bored with academia in terms of being able to express myself creatively. And I can relate to that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk about me later. (laughs) Yes. Um, So. I've always been creative and I've always done uh, a lot of things outside of my profession. So the last few years I've been taking a lot of courses at FIT and Parsons because I really love fashion. Mm -hmm. So in those classes I was always the oldest one. But the professors and the students were like, your style is incredible. You should start a blog. Mm -hmm. And I was also feeling very dissatisfied with, like, the mainstream fashion publications. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel they really offered me anything creative. They're very one-dimensional a lot of times. Yes. And And they're all the same.
1: They're all the same. And only kind of recently, in recent years, have people tried to go outside of the
2: norm. And even that's been met with resistance. Exactly. So I... Did a lot of research. I did about eight months of research, and I looked at what was out there in the blogosphere, Mm -hmm. as they call it. You did eight months of research before. I did. Yeah, that's academic. Yes, (laughs) yes. But it paid off. Yeah. Because... I saw that a lot of it was very uh, repetitive and stereotypical. This is what I'm wearing today. This is where you can like buy it. Like outfit of the days and where to get it. And you can't tell sometimes if it's a
1: advertisement or an editorial or their real style. Sometimes. Exactly. I feel that way.
2: Exactly. And they were plastered with advertising. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to do the opposite mm-hmm. of what everyone else did. Mm-hmm. And so my blog is really minimalist, it's Mm -hmm. very clean, no ads, no other text except the essay I write, Mm -hmm. and just really good photos now when
1: I I want to discuss your beautifully done blog it's so visually aesthetically just so nice to look at but you know back to when you were in school and you were taking these fashion classes and you were the oldest person in these classes um, how did that make you feel was there any level of insecurity or or self-consciousness
2: no none no None at all. No, because I have always, throughout my entire life, worked and been primarily around people younger than me. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest of six children, mm-hmm. so right there. Yeah. And then I always worked with young women and girls in my social work career, Mm -hmm. and I've been a professor for the last 17 years, and I've worked with young people. Mm -hmm. And what that has done for me, because I am a person who's always growing, Mm -hmm. is I've had to keep current with our culture in order to engage young people Mm -hmm. into learning, into being excited about what they're doing, and so they've had to teach me how to communicate with them. Um, and I want to get to that point because I think that's really important.
1: I think that a lot of times like I'll hear, I'll hear like moms and dads who are in their 40s saying things like, oh, these kids, this social media, it's so crazy, these young kids. And I'm thinking to myself, you're not that old that you should be not able to understand what a 20-year-old is doing. When, when does that disconnect happen? Do you think we teach ourselves that once you get past a certain age that you're not supposed to know what young people are doing?
2: Well, I think we have so many categories, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the ways, and again, this is where my whole social welfare kind of thinking comes in, is one of the ways that society tries to control you is to tell you how you should be. Yes. And so I've always been a very rebellious person and I've always worked in places that are very oppressed mm-hmm. because of the field I chose. Yeah. And, and so, that field is child
1: neglect and child abuse. I just wanted to put that out yeah. there because I think that's important for everything you're saying.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. And really, I think bro- more broadly, because one of the things you find when you enter that field is that, you know, predominantly, you're not just talking about children, you're talking about women who, mm-hmm. for generations, have experienced trauma Yeah, and kind of pass it mm-hmm. along. So so it's really- Pass it along, that's that's powerful.
1: Yes. And they might not even know that they're doing it. They were just kind of taught that at a certain point that this is what society expects of them and they kind of pass it on unwittingly
2: to their next generation. Well, I think as a doctor, you'll understand yeah. this, mm-hmm. but it changes their brains.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, you rewire your neurons to think That's differently. Correct. There's no question. Once you tell yourself something, you start to believe it, you're actually rewiring your brain
2: pathways That's to right. start to actually think of it as fact. That's right. You know? And um, there's been so much research about how trauma impacts the brain. Mm-hmm. And a big part of it is that there's a disconnect between your awareness mm-hmm. and your cognition. Yeah. So, you know, I've met women who were abused when they were kids mm-hmm. and they the last thing they ever ever wanted to do mm-hmm. was to be involved in abusing their own child right and so because of these unconscious things and triggers and then the physiological arousal that happens
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know they they, they end up doing something yeah. that they don't you know if they had full control yeah really wouldn't want to do
1: now um I want you to talk about the disconnect between cognition and awareness. And I'm I'm getting really medical with you. Yeah. We're going to get into fashion yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is actually but, fascinating. But
2: I think it's really important yeah. because it one, goes to self-confidence
1: is what the original question was. Well,
2: and I think that it goes to um the power of thinking and how thinking impacts your feeling mm-hmm. and then that impacts your behavior, which is the essence of yeah, you know, neuroscience yeah. today. And so, thinking impacts your
1: feeling, and your feeling impacts your behavior. That's right. And I want people to think about that because that's that goes through everything.
2: That's correct. You know,
1: even like shopping at the grocery store. If you go in feeling hungry, that's right. You're going to start buying more food. If you go into a uh, job interview feeling insecure, that's going to impact
2: your behavior. So that's really important. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I use that conceptual framework, Mm -hmm. and I apply it to fashion. And, okay, I have
1: to have you tell this amazing story of how you were, quote, discovered the other part
2: of the accidental yes. icon. So I had done all this research. I had a great platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I My partner, Calvin, is my photographer. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't think of a name. And you said partner, boyfriend. Yes. Okay. I well, love that you call 20 it years partner. Yeah, partner.
1: I know. I know. I love right? that. I had this discussion with somebody the other day. I do like the word partner better.
2: Yeah, because yeah. that's what we are. Yeah. Right? Yeah, We're absolutely. Partners I love that. Yeah. yeah, I
1: love that. So That we do. He's also your photographer.
2: Yes. I love that. That okay. makes it very easy. And he's younger than you, right? He's five years younger than me. Okay. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and we actually met in a bookbinding workshop. A
1: bookbinding workshop? Did you love years book binding? Ago. Did you
2: love it? Well, it, it was part of that creative uh-huh. exploration. Yeah. And it was uh, a workshop that involved writing mm-hmm. and then making with your own hands yeah. beautiful. Different kinds of books, and I feel like in
1: that moment you were doing something that you were really happy about, that's and right. that's when you attract people. Because tangent, a lot of matchmaking, and a lot of times when we talk about dating on these um, on my show, um, people will say, "Well, you need to get out and do this. You need to get to Starbucks at seven in the morning, and you need to go do go to Home Goods on the week or whatever." And I say to myself, "No, you need to be doing what you love doing, exactly, and then it will come." And that sounds like exactly what you did. And it's not
2: just about dating because yeah. that's what I did with my blog mm-hmm. I it was my passion for fashion mm-hmm. and that's when you become so attractive yeah it is absolutely because of that confidence so that's right back
1: to your partner being your photographer yeah yeah so and she I, still smiles when she talks about this
2: which is so sweet yes <laughs> he's wonderful yeah that's so awesome. um I just could not think of a good name. Mm-hmm. I went through all sorts of things, just could not think of it. Mm-hmm. And I was getting ready to launch the blog, and it happened to be New York Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. And I teach at the Lincoln Center campus. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Fashion Week was still at, at Lincoln Center. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. And so I was waiting on the plaza to meet a friend for lunch. Yeah. And, and as people who may not know, the plaza is always
1: swarmed with photographers during and fashion fashionistas yes. uh, using that as their own
2: personal runway exactly. during fashion week. Yeah, Exactly. So all of a sudden, um, and I, I was wearing, I got dressed up for the occasion because the friend I was meeting is from Montreal and was, you know, there to do a lot of fashion things. Mm-hmm. So I was wearing a Yohji Yamamoto suit yeah. and I had a Chanel bag mm-hmm. and... So, all of a sudden, these photographers start taking my picture because they thought I was some fashion person. Yeah. And then these two Japanese journalists came Mm -hmm. and they wanted to do an interview with me. Mm -hmm. And then, when the tourists saw the fashion photographers taking pictures of me, they started taking (laughs) pictures of me. So, it was like a feeding frenzy. That's right. So, when my friend showed up, there was this crowd around me and basically said, laughing, you're like an accidental icon. Oh, amazing. And so I was like, thank you so much, because I was laughing hysterically. Yeah. I thought it was the funniest thing. Because here you are, a
1: woman in academics and a very serious you know, topic
2: that you study and you teach, right? becoming the center of this attention during New York Fashion Week. Exactly, and it was also the first week of the new semester. Mm. So I had, yeah, I was so busy, but I skipped out, mm-hmm. right? And I always had these fantasies of like playing hooky from my school to go <laughs> to to all the fashion <gasps> shows. Um, and here you are, and here I am. That's crazy. That's yeah. amazing. I wonder,
1: do you still have those photos that, that they took of you?
2: I do, actually. Um, one of them is on. I believe it's still on the cover of my Facebook page. I love
1: that. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen them, um, actually. I just wanted you to <laughs> yeah. tell us where to find them. Now, one of the things you said earlier is um, thinking makes you feel, makes you behave. Yes. And that applies to fashion. Yes. Um,
2: I, I, could you explain that more? Well, I think... I think... What you choose to wear mm-hmm. has to come from who you are, mm-hmm. and one of the things I realized is that fashion and what you wear, mm-hmm. and I I realized this in my career, mm-hmm. is has a lot of power. Yeah, and people make judgments and decisions about you. Based on your, what you look like. Based on what you look there, like. There are countless of, of clinical studies, you know, that
1: have this sort of thing where you have different people dressed a certain way. And appearance is what makes somebody appear attractive and therefore smarter, confident, and more um,
2: intelligent. Right. So it, it is visual. But what I found is that when people are not wearing, when they're wearing what everyone says they should wear yeah. to look a certain way, but they're uncomfortable. Uh-huh. They don't come across as authentic mm-hmm. or believable. Mm-hmm. And I saw this happen in court all the time. Yeah, in court. Because mm-hmm. I, when I first taught at Fordham for the first 10 years, I taught with a, a whole bunch of law professors mm-hmm. and we had a clinic in the law school. And the lawyers would always say, "Oh, make her wear a suit." And it doesn't—it looks like the clothes are wearing her exactly. To, and, and, and they would be so
1: uncomfortable, and they would have. And to... And it looks do. like they could see they probably felt uncomfortable, and they behaved uncomfortable, would made them look guilty. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's true, yeah, and well, and was not watching, believable. I was watching a documentary of the Menendez brothers, mm-hmm. and um, that's a fascinating story. But one of the things that they said is they dressed the two boys in pastel to make them look like young help, helpless little boys, right? And <laughs> (laughs) It worked because every time I think of them, um, I think about those pastel sweaters that they would wear. Right. You know? Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Inspiring conversations on lifestyle, celebrity, relationships, and more. This is Glamier with Dr. Tavis Amir. What do you say when people say to you, like, because you're in academics, I'm in academics, and I remember being, um, uh, I don't know if the chastises the word, but definitely frowned upon whenever I would try and, like you said, express myself creatively. If it was like a clinic day and I didn't have to wear scrubs, I wanted to get dressed up. And um, but academia
2: looks at fashion as being frivolous. What do you think about that? Well, like anything else, mm-hmm. um, being rebellious, mm-hmm. I just completely discount it. Amen. That's exactly what I did. Yes. <laughs> and at this at this point. You know, my main reason Mm -hmm. for being in academia Mm -hmm. is to teach. Yeah. Teaching is important. That's right. And And so my connection with my students Mm -hmm. is the most important thing to me. Yeah, And that's where I feel I can exert Mm -hmm. much more power. I agree. Because I can write a journal article, but who's going to read it? Yeah. Other social work academics. Yeah. But I can train you know, 200 really superb graduate level social workers who are going to go out and And affect hundreds and hundreds of people. people. And,
1: And I think that's important. And I think that you're also demonstrating how fashion isn't frivolous. No. And tell us why. I'll tell you why I think it's not frivolous. And, and this is the same thing. I went into cosmetic, dermatology. So I, it's not just cosmetic. I went into dermatology. And a lot of people would say, oh, you're going to be a you know, a skin dentist. They would kind of downplay it. But I can tell you countless, countless, countless times that I've had people come into my office, feel a certain way about their appearance, and then perform a certain way. And within reason, you know, fixing certain things has actually dramatically improved their performance in Absolutely. life. Absolutely, You know, I had a woman whose mother was, uh, you know, sick from cancer, and she felt so insecure to talk to the doctors and find out what was really going on, and we just did a little something, and she just said, she actually wrote me a letter saying, you don't understand how much you've given me confidence. I can look at these doctors and talk to them and
2: feel confident about them. How is that frivolous? Right. It's not. Yeah. It's not, and that's why I make no judgments Mm -hmm. about whatever any woman or man chooses to do as... Especially if it's to make them feel confident and 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 better about feeling. Themselves. How you feel drives everything else. Yes, it does your behavior.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I want to talk about age because. Um, I think that we were, before we started, we had uh, one of my coworkers in here and, and we were talking about the younger girls on Instagram and, and, and not just younger girls, any girls, but really the younger generation because I'm seeing a lot of girls that are preteens coming in wanting lip filler, wanting things done that I didn't even think about till, you know, later in life. Uh, what is it about you that is an example for these girls? And that's a really big question to answer, but let's
2: try and tackle it. Well, I'm going to tell you a story because mm-hmm. I think it's... Um, answer to your question in Uh a lot of ways and I think that there are more young people who are not happy about that state of being Mm -hmm. and are very anxious and upset about it. That's so interesting. Yes, so I got, I love my emails and comments that I get, especially Mm -hmm. from so many of my young followers. But I got one, she's 21, she said I've just spent the last hour in front of the mirror trying to get my eyebrow just right. And my friend came over and she was scrolling and she showed me your Instagram. And I looked at it and all of a sudden I said, "What the f am I doing?" Oh god, that's so I nice. just spent an hour of my life doing nothing. Yeah and look at this woman who was just like i don't want to be 20 i'm not 20 i'm me me is great me is cool and she said me is great screw it yeah. i'm going to be myself oh god did that make you feel so good it made me feel really good yeah, and i could feel, feel her it. liberation through through her email i could
1: feel it when you said what the f am i doing i just spent an hour of my life doing nothing to me that's like yeah, yeah, I felt it there. Yeah, it was really, really big. So you think that the younger kind of like eighteen plus or or younger, you think that they're not happy with their present state? Do you know? I also I agree with you, but I also think that their comparison is the thief of joy. I think they're comparing them compare comparing yes. themselves to other people, like on the internet, on Instagram, on Facebook. When I was a kid, I only compared myself to other people in my school. Maybe somebody from another school, but right. that was it. Imagine comparing yourself to like the most beautiful girl in the most beautiful country in the world. Right, It's another level of, of psychosis, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what can you tell them, you know?
2: Well, I think, I think again, mm-hmm. there's a certain subset of young people mm-hmm. that are, doing that comparing. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a growing number of them that are not. Are not. And I think that they are starting to understand how powerful they can be in terms of forcing Mm -hmm. brands, fashion brands, and fashion to change. Yeah. And I think Fashion is, it's so fascinating to me right mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. to be in that space mm-hmm. because all the ways that fashion has been done mm-hmm. are falling apart. Yeah.
1: People are, are, it's the same box. Right. It's the same box of ideas. Right. Um, it's the same look. And yeah, they may change up the skin color a little bit, but everybody looks the same. Right. And no that, matter what your skin that's, color. That's changing. Yeah. I mean, even body size, you know, like with plus size modeling, look how much that came under attack. Right. You know, and it's like, it's bizarre what we consider beauty. Right. Um, Exactly. One of the things you said was that you feel that the younger generation is unhappy with their state of being. How about the... Well, I think they're unhappy
2: with feeling controlled. Gotcha. Unhappy with feeling controlled. By these notions of what is beautiful and what you should do and things like that. Okay, I can draw a parallel between that and
1: older generation yes. of women. They're probably extremely unhappy with their you know, not I'm I just see that same exact parallel. Unhappy with their state of being, being controlled with what they think is beautiful in the media. Isn't that interesting? So when are we actually ever happy? <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> when does that happen? Well, I think As I said, I'm encouraged Mm -hmm. because I think there is sort of a movement Mm -hmm. for people to break out of that. Yeah. And I think there is not a trust anymore Mm -hmm. in the structures of our society that they're going to tell us the right thing to do. Exactly. And so I think people are becoming more, a little bit more belligerent. Mm Mm-hmm. And more I rebellious. More rebellious, yes. and I think that's the central reason mm-hmm. that
1: they follow me. Both, yeah. Well, that's why I identified with you because I come from a very, you know, I come from an extreme academic background. I mean. It was scrubs. It was operating rooms. It was, you know, the books. And I was very happy about it. But I remember every once in a while, I'm like, I'm going to wear this red lipstick. And people would look at me like, oh. And I remember thinking, what do you care? It's my face, my lips. But it's interesting, the reaction I got. I was um, in the OBGYN delivery room, and I was wearing lipstick. And I made sure it was 4 o'clock in the morning. I had that on. I had this one nurse come up to me and say, by the time I'm finished with you here, you're not going to have time to put that lipstick on. So guess what I did? popped it out, put it on, right in front of her every time. Exactly. It's just a confidence thing, and it's a rebellion thing. Yes, it is.
2: Yeah. You have to have that courage and belief in your own self Mm -hmm. to be able to rebel. Yeah. I love that. You have to have the courage and
1: belief in your own self to rebel. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think that people should really chew on that because that is the truth. And I think that 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 fits me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you say about women... And men, aging demographic, feeling invisible as they get older because you're extremely visible. I yes. mean, you you're striking. You walk into the room right now. You have a boldly patterned black and white button down. These gorgeous glasses. This beautiful bob. You're striking.
2: You're not invisible. How right.
1: how do you speak to that?
2: I think that you have control over whether you're invisible. Mm-hmm. And again, I think. Why you have to ask yourself, why am I following this rule? Mm -hmm. The societal rule, right? Yeah, and is it really what I want to do? So, if you think when you get old that you have to wear you know big, flowy clothes that are not loud or do not express who you are, then you're buying into that message. Mm -hmm. So, I think. I I think the other thing I do is I don't – I have – I never talk about age on my yeah. blog. Yeah, you don't. I, n- I never talk about age on Instagram, and I've done that very purposefully mm-hmm. because – Because you don't want it to be a factor. That's right. Yeah. And I don't want to join an oppression story, mm-hmm. and by that I mean – I I don't say, Oh, I feel invisible and I'm gonna do something about it. Yeah. That's not what I think people people are tired of that. They want solutions. They want authenticity. Yes. And they want solutions. Mm -hmm. Because if you sit and you're saying, Oh, I'm so invisible and people treat old people terrible, you're not solving that problem. You're not.
1: I, I do want to make this preface though, old people is a relative term yes. because I remember being 27 and I was talking to my friend who was 33 right. and she said to me, when you get to my age, and I remember looking at her, I'm like, you're 33, what are you going to say to yourself when you're 83? Right. Like, right. I, Age is, is what you you think in your head about how old you are. Um, I don't think that people necessarily wait till they're 70 to say that they're old now. People are doing it at, at, I had somebody who just turned 30 the other day who who thinks that they're old now. I'm like, my God, get a grip, you know? Right. Um, So I do wanna add that in.
2: Yeah, and I think just like now, we're starting to look at things in the world Mm -hmm. like gender fluidity where, you know, your identity can change over time. I have to say, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm 64, Mm -hmm. but I was 19, Mm -hmm. and that 19 girl is still in me. I have a memory of it. And so the other day when I posted myself in a Rolling Stones t-shirt, you know, dancing around Brooklyn, I was my 19-year-old self, and Mm -hmm. that self was coming through. Mm -hmm. And it didn't look ridiculous, Mm -hmm. even coming out of my Sixty four year old body because Mm -hmm. that's who I was Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yeah. And so I can. Other days I can feel like I'm 90 because I'm completely <laughs>
1: yeah. But know, I think infirm. that everyone can relate to that. You know, yeah. we all. You know, somebody once said to me, "Act your age." I'm like, "Well, I don't know how to act my age. I've never been this age before." You right. know, like I don't know why. Uh, it, and also, another thing I don't like um, when you read about somebody in, in a paper or on a on online. It's always like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow dash 40 something. And why do, why does that have to matter? Right. I think that I would like to see that not matter because it teaches you that an expectation of how you're supposed to behave at different decades of your life right and who who which is why I I know that age isn't something you put on your blog but let's face it you are somebody who's an example of living authentic authentically and here you are right and all of a sudden everybody's um, relating to you at every age what is your age demographic for your blog
2: well it's very interesting because my All my platforms have different sort of demographics. Mm -hmm. So my blog is primarily women who are, I would say, 35 Mm -hmm. to 70, Mm -hmm. who are highly educated, professional, Mm -hmm. artistic. I have architects, artists, fashion designers, professors, um, doctors. Yeah. You do have a doctor. I, w- yes. I read your blog. <laughs> <laughs> and there are women who, and again, I I don't put myself out there and say, this is how you dress. But mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm inspiring you to think about how to express yourself mm-hmm. and use fashion to do it. Mm-hmm. And that might be very different for you mm-hmm. than it is for me. Yeah. But the point is, who are you and what do you want to say? Yeah, And so that's the audience. And... The comments are just brilliant. Yeah. I have, like, philosophy professors. and But my Instagram is almost 100% 13 to 35. Isn't that amazing?
1: Yes. I think you said something like it's 90-some percent. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. Um, How does that make – do you feel – how can you not feel like you're changing the status quo of aging?
2: Well, I think I didn't intend to, Mm -hmm. but I think that has been – uh, a result. A pleasant side effect. A pleasant side <laughs> effect. Right. Yeah. Because I did this initially just to have pleasure. I yeah. wasn't having a social agenda. Mm-hmm. And I actually am never political. Yeah. At all. Uh-huh. And You're more personal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, though, that what I'm doing visually, mm-hmm. without words, is I am confronting those stereotypes. Yeah. You are. And so people, because the younger generation is way more, they communicate much more through visual imagery Mm -hmm. than reading text, Mm -hmm. that my images kind of say, oh, you know, they say, look at you, you know, you're, everyone says, oh, when you're older, you can't be fashionable, or you're going to be invisible, but look at you. Mm hmm. Right. So I'm doing it. I'm performing it. That's the word I'm living it. Yes. You're living it. You're a living example. And what you just said,
1: everyone says as you get older, that everyone says, we need to challenge who everyone is. Who is everyone? That's Um, right. I don't say that. You don't say it. A lot of people that I know don't say it. But it's this everyone. Who is this every person? Who is this person? And don't, don't, you know. It's people that want to control you. Yeah. It's people that want to control you. And we could get into that psyche, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's something to do with what they want or they're uncomfortable with. But that's for another time. yes. Um, Um, I do have to ask you about who you know who is an accidental icon how do you define that person
2: well I think it's it's someone who uh, puts himself out in the world and takes a risk and allows for a very organic process Mm -hmm. I have no business plan, I had no end game, I never intended to be signed with a modeling agency. Yeah, you're
1: with Elite
2: London Specials Booking Division. Yes. So so these were things, when I sat down to write my first blog post, Mm -hmm. I never knew anything about. Yeah. So what that means to me is that you can do anything you want whenever you do it. Yeah. Whenever you want to. At any time in life. At
1: any time in life. And you don't need to feel like everything has to happen by right. a certain age. Everybody's journey right. and everybody's timeline is different.
2: Right. And I think in this world, in particular, because of technology where things are changing so fast, mm-hmm. you can no longer have a three or five year plan. Mhm. No, because you can't. everything change. is gonna be changed in an hour. Yeah. Right. I don't even buy magazines anymore.
1: Exactly. You know, I remember getting like these weekly magazines thinking that was the latest of the
2: latest. Now those feel like encyclopedias. Right. (laughs) They're gone. gone. (laughs) Right. And people are are really living through their phones. Yeah, they are. And so, you know, I I think you have to be someone who is... You know, there is no there for people anymore. That's what I was telling a friend. She's like, oh, when am I ever going to get there? Yeah. And I'm like, there isn't a a there. Because we're developing it in the moment. Yeah. With all of this fast change. You have to enjoy the journey. Yes. Because the results you can't guarantee. That's
1: right. And that's a tough lesson for a lot of people. That's a tough lesson for, you know, even myself, you know, because yeah. in school, you're getting grades to get into college, you're getting the college grades to get into med school, you get the med school, you know, and right. on and on and on. And I would apply that to my life, like, okay, if I do this, I will have to worry about that result. If I right. date this person, it has to result in that. If I'm friends with this, if I d- – and I realize, uh-uh, I'm just going to enjoy that place because if I start doing this results-oriented happiness thing, I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life.
2: Right, and that's why we have to change education and yeah. – that's what i mean by my students taught me mm-hmm. how to change how i taught them mm-hmm. and so my school probably shouldn't be hearing this but <laughs> i don't i don't use textbooks no but you also develop these courses that you're I, teaching yeah, yeah. I, I don't i don't well, although academia is becoming more controlled there's is like master syllabi right. and things like that so that was one of my dissatisfactions mm-hmm. but Being who I am, I just go in the classroom and close the door. Yeah, but I what I I say. I bet they love that though. I would love that. Yeah. Well, what they what I say to them is, you know, (coughs) I'm not going to assign you readings, Uh but let's talk about these concepts. Yeah. What interests you? Yeah. And then I'm going to let you open up your computer right now Mm -hmm. and go find three articles about the thing that interests you. That you're going to apply to this issue. Yeah. And see, that, that allows people to think outside the box,
1: think for themselves. Exactly. Which is what... They really don't teach you in school.
2: Right. And yeah. like you said, it's very linear. Yeah. If I do X, I yeah. get Y. Yeah. And one of my
1: biggest frustrations is I was always one to think outside the box. Always, always. From the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know why or how, just from the beginning. Yeah. And um, it was frustrating for me to have to think linear for so many years. And and I had to be um, attached to a certain syllabus or schedule um, although I still like schedules, but um, yeah. I I didn't like the way that I had to think what they wanted me to think. So, but when school was finished, I was like, okay, that's my time to think. So right. I get what you're saying, right? Um, and, and both I, kinds of thinking
2: are yeah. necessary.
1: Both are necessary. You can't have one without the other. One is too rigid. The other one is way too out right. there. Right. Um, I don't know how else to ask this other than to say, what do you think the moral of your story is? It's still a story. It's mm-hmm. still happening. Yeah. Um,
2: but what is the moral of your story right now, today? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. and actually, it's something that I've been thinking about this summer mm-hmm. because I feel like the story of you know the, here's this professor she accidentally became you know a fashion icon and mm-hmm. a model. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that story is kind of done. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Well, it's, right it's, it's right, right. it's right now, yeah. and it got a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think that that all good creativity keeps evolving. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I've been thinking a lot about what is going to be next. the next yeah. part of the story. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it, I will continue to perform um, and to write about fashion. And I think that fashion and all art right now is really critical. Given what's happening in our country in particular, Mm -hmm. um, because we need to have new visions and new ways of thinking about things. I like what you're saying, because what you're saying to me is this is
1: my story and I'm going to use it as a stepping stone to develop my next story. Right. And at, you know, any Age and any time in life, you can change your story. That's you can right. make a new story,
2: and that is the moral of your story. That's right. Right now, <laughs> right? Because I am always a woman in motion, mm-hmm. and I never think I've ever gotten to
1: there. I'm not either. I always move. I'm always moving, and and that's the the part of it that I actually do like. Yeah, I've had to teach myself that it's not about what's resulted it's about the movement you know that's right um I think you're fascinating you're definitely my icon oh thank you (laughs) I think you're absolutely just uh fascinating and I, I, I there were so many amazing pearls to, to, that you said throughout today that I can't wait to go back and listen to some of them and maybe write them down and then put them on uh, put them on Facebook and quote you
2: <laughs> well I think you're pretty much right there with me <laughs> yeah well I really um I, I really oh wait, wait tell people your your social media handles and where they can find you oh okay Instagram is at icon accidental mm-hmm. backwards. Mm-hmm. And my blog is accidental icon, and it's been
1: such a pleasure to have you here. I am even more um, in love with you more than I was when I, before I started. You're just a fascinating human being and doing great things for everybody.
2: Well, thank you. And you ask the best questions. Yeah, I'm yes. glad that makes me feel really good. Thank yes, you. I really lost myself in the conversation, which does not always happen in interviews so i think that there was definitely a natural chemistry and a
1: natural just interest in what you had to say so thank you that's a big compliment to me yes thanks for being here and come back anytime Thank thank you